Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. What is up, Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, brought to you by Prize Picks on this Friday. I'm Pete McCarthy filling in for Josh Harris today. We've got Cliffy with us. Uh, he is our best player, and he does play with passion, with emotion, with inspiration. He's a Craig Berube guy all the way. And uh... 
Yeah, I, I, I never thought I would be a Craig Berube guy. Um, didn't really think that I would fit his profile, but that was quite the rant that he went on uh, yesterday um, after the game. And, and I get it. Like, you know, he was kind of trying to maybe light a fire under his players, maybe, you know, appeal to their sense of, you know, wanting to be the best and putting on a good showing over the final two months. But, you know, you just traded your captain and you just traded Vladimir Tarasenko. Tori Krug is injured. Jordan Bennington's been playing poorly all season. Like, it feels like you're just kind of shouting at the wall at this point. But, uh, yeah, I kind of get where he was going with that. I always like the the press conference, like an older coach who's just – he's ready to unload on everybody. And the reporters are just trying to find the right question that's going to get him to go. And it was that that last thing that he was trying to hold in that he uh, – that he let out. If you go back and watch that presser a little bit, it was uh, pretty entertaining last night. But hey, uh, give us a like, subscribe, keep up with all of our shows. We've got DFS offers, giveaways. You know about all this stuff by now. And once you do subscribe, hit that notification button. That'll give you alerts. Our shows go live. We're also available in podcast form. You can help us out. Leave a five-star review on your platform of choice. Uh, we also have our brand new live odds shopper betting show debuting on Monday at 4 o'clock Eastern time. So if you're big into betting, you could join Lofty, Ben, Aton, all the regular guys that break down the night's best bets using premium odds shows. And again, that'll be a show that starts on Monday. It'll be every weeknight at 4 o'clock Eastern time. So weeknight, weekdays, that afternoon, I get confused once we get to 4 o'clock Eastern. What do you call 4 o'clock? In the winter, it's night now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, four o'clock. I call it afternoon, but yeah, when it's you know late December here, four o'clock, it's starting to get dark out. So you know, if somebody called it nighttime, I probably wouldn't complain. Now, if we call four o'clock nighttime in the middle of July, we might have a we might have some problems. Who could tell? Yeah, yeah. I said they're not you're barbecuing at four o'clock. You know, uh, you guys could get involved in the chat and. Uh things like that shoot them in there we'll incorporate them within the show as we go along here uh just quickly last night we had what the the red wing second line that's where you needed to go Connor mcdavid was a, a good place to go what do we what do we learn from last night and uh what that slate brought us i mean the big thing from last night obviously is Connor mcdavid is the guy that makes and breaks slates um he had two goals two assists last night um the, what I found funny about last night was if you look at some of the top scores, like I'll just bring up the $12 single entry from last night real quick. Uh, winning score 192, like no uh, Connor McDavid. Uh, second place, no Connor McDavid. Third place, no Connor McDavid. Fourth place, no Connor McDavid. Despite McDavid being the highest scoring player on the slate last night, he, at least in the $12 single entry, he wasn't on any of the top teams. Now I'm sure there's a bunch in like that, five to 20 or five to 30 range that have Nick David. And maybe those guys are just one player away or something like that. But even if Connor McDavid does have a great game, it doesn't necessarily mean other players on the team will have great games alongside him. And it doesn't necessarily mean that Edmonton is going to be the optimal team. Like McDavid had two goals, two assists, the Oilers scored seven and none of their players were in the top three lineups in the $12 single entry last night because there were so many other crazy scores like Elias Pedersen went absolutely ballistic. Mm -hmm. And that was a chalky spot. I I think in this contest, he was like 15, 16% owned. 
and he only put up a couple points fewer than McDavid, right? So the $2,000 savings allows you better players elsewhere and, and all that. So, uh, yes, you would have liked to have had McDavid in the lineup last night, but it, it goes to show, at least on bigger slates, today we have six games. It's a little bit smaller, but once you get to like 9, 10, you know, that double-digit game range, there are multiple paths to victory, and you don't need the optimal player to have the best lineup on a given night. And I think that's a pretty important lesson uh, from last night. And my other important lesson would be um, ignore the Seattle Kraken at your own peril, I guess. <laughs> Boston gave gave up five goals and 41 shots last night to Seattle, which really, really surprised me. But uh, that's another lesson is that Anything can happen in, in Dude, one night of NHL hockey. It is one of the. It is up there with baseball as one of the most random sports on a game to game basis. And I, try not to get too pigeonholed into you know chalky spots that should smash because you know on not chalky spots that shouldn't smash get there all the time. Yeah, I tell you, I put together lineups on Fantasy Cruncher, and I use like ninety-five percent randomness, and I'm like, I don't think that's enough. I, I think it needs to be a lot higher than that to spread things out a little bit. We'll be breaking it down as far as tonight goes. And just seeing in the chat, Andrew uh, took down the uh, one dollar twenty max last night, so. Congrats to him and to what you were saying. He did it without Connor McDavid in his lineup. So uh, many different ways to go. So let's start breaking down tonight's slate, and we will start with the Sabres and the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers certainly interesting tonight. Alexander Barkov and Sam Bennett are both out. Uh, they're day-to-day. Uh, but how does this affect how we get to these Florida stacks? Because I know when I ran Fantasy Cruncher today, that top Florida line showed up over and over and over again. Yeah, uh, anybody... Uh, hopefully we still have a bunch of viewers hanging out here from the NBA all-star break. Um, you know, that's kind of the NHL's time to shine. Uh, those are the four or five days where uh, we come to the forefront. Hopefully we still have uh, some people kicking around here. Um, if you're new to a sport you're pro- and you have access to projections and optimizers, you're probably going to use them. And it'll give, tonight it will give you a lot of Florida. They do have a four total. Um, they have a lot of cheap players too, which I think is the important part here. Like Anthony Duclair is expected to be back in the lineup. Mm-hmm. He had missed the entire season uh, with an offseason Achilles surgery. And now he's supposed to come in and play next to Lundell and, and Sam Reinhart, which makes sense given all the other injuries that they have. But I also wonder just how much ice time he's going to get because coming off an Achilles is about as serious an injury as it gets and still being able to return to the ice. Right. Um, you know, other than like a severe concussion or something like that. And we just saw Max Pacioretty have the exact same surgery, come back, play a few games and then blow out his Achilles again. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, you know, Florida's right there in a the playoff race. I'm sure they'd love to play him 18 or 19 minutes do they want to risk pulling a max patch ready and have Duclair be out of the lineup until October three games from now or something? You know what I mean? I think they're, they have to have that in the back of their minds. What that means for this game is that I suspect we're going to see some movement, at least amongst that um, Reinhardt Lundell uh, Duclair line. And the reason for that is that I expect, you know, maybe Eric Stahl gets moved up and gets some ice time there. Ryan Lomberg gets, you know, he might get a couple shifts there. Nick Cousins certainly could get a couple shifts there. I think they're going to find a way to ease Duclair, like have Duclair quote in the top six, but not necessarily have him play 17 or 18 minutes in his first game back or something like that. 
By the same token, even if he only plays like 14 minutes, he's only 2,500 because he's been hurt all year. And that's why we're getting so much Florida is that Reinhardt, Lundell, and Duclair line is 12,200. They could, like, Reinhardt will probably play 19, 20 minutes here tonight. Lundell will probably be around 18, 19 minutes. If they push Duclair, he could be 17, 18. This will be a legitimate top six line getting top six minutes in a really good spot being priced as a third line on the road in a bad matchup, right? And that's what's going to drive so much ownership to that Florida line. And I get it because they are so cheap and they do project well. Um, You know, uh, Lundell and Reinhardt just looking at um, their DraftKings projections right now, just the two of them alone project for um, over 25 DraftKings points. You add in what Duclair will bring and you're looking at 33 points, give or take. Like, that's more than the Minnesota top line tonight, right? And that's with a $2,500 winger there. So there's going to be a ton of ownership, and I think that's a pretty good reason not to necessarily play them. Because when Barkov was out of the lineup, he's been in and out of the lineup over the last couple months with his injury. He's had a hand injury, I think it is, that's been nagging him. They tried Sam Bennett on the top power play for basically one game and got away from it. Now, Bennett's not in the lineup tonight, so he's not a consideration for the power play. I think Carter Verhage is going to be the guy that takes the top power play minutes, and that is pretty important in this matchup because Buffalo has a very bad penalty kill, and Buffalo is back-to-back on the road. Like This does set up as a very good matchup for Florida at home, even if they don't have Barkov, even if they don't have Bennett. And Verhage and Kachuk, like anybody that has watched any of our NHL shows this year knows how much I love that duo. They have been probably the best offensive duo in the NHL this season, at least at five on five. Not necessarily on the power play because Verhage hasn't gotten that much power play time this year, but at least on at five on five. Like these guys are, their expected goals numbers are are basically double the league average. And we're not at a small sample anymore. We're talking hundreds of minutes together. Like they are absolutely destroying the competition. And Itu Lusterine in there, like he's not at this point of his career, he's not a great offensive player, but he likes to shoot and he's good defensively. So if he can turn pucks over and put himself in good shooting positions, that's basically all you need to do with those two wingers on the ice. So, yes, Kachuk, Verhege, and Lusterainen are, you know, almost uh, $7,000 more expensive on DraftKings, but they have doubled the top two probability um, by the top stacks tool. Um, tonight, they have the highest top two stack probability of any line that we have, and that includes Toronto, Buffalo, Colorado, Carolina, uh, um, the other Florida line. Um Coming in with high ownership, and it's because they're not super expensive, a little over $19,000. It is a great spot for them. So the ownership will be high. But I think, you know, they have multiple defensemen in play. I think there are a lot of cheap spots elsewhere on the slate. Uh, Montreal, Philadelphia, uh, Carolina has some cheap players. Um, Certainly uh, the Islanders in Los Angeles have cheap players. Like there are a lot of secondary stacks you can put with them. So the 20%, the 20% on the Verhage line, Verhage Kachuk doesn't scare me. It's 20% on the other line because they do fit so well with, you know, the top Buffalo line, the top Colorado guys, all that stuff that I'm worried there might actually be duplicate lineups. So like if you want to play Lundell, Reinhardt and Barkov, or not Barkov, 
Duclair, I think that's fine. And Duclair and Lundell did do pretty well together last year in a small sample, about 60 minutes together, uh, 3.7 expected goals for, but 3.7 expected goals against, not good defensively, could be good for Buffalo. So it is the Verhage, Kachuk, Blue Sarine line I like best. Like, I like all Florida, basically their top nine, but it is the top line just because of how good and how dominant they've been all season. And I think we're going to get some additional Verhage power play time. I think the real question is what to do on the Buffalo side. Well, let me let me ask you a question. So that, that top Florida line we're talking about, and you're talking about what a great value it is, but you had some concerns about it, and you know the ownership is going to be there. I mean, how much does it then become about what contest you're in, your contest size, right? If you're playing that $15 kick save, maybe you do stay away from the Florida line. But if you're playing a single entry, are you as aggressive to to fade that top Florida line? it's almost the other way around for yep. me kind of where like, if there are a ton of entries, I wouldn't mind playing. If there are a ton of like, like the $15 mass multi-entry, mm-hmm. I suspect that Florida line will come in a lot lower owned and you can do a lot more different things because you do have to kind of get a little bit more perfect. If you're playing against 3000, 4,000, 5,000 people, whatever. Whereas if you're playing in a $12 single entry where there's, you know, 500 entries, 700 entries, whatever it is tonight, you don't need to get as perfect. Um, so people will just be jamming a lot of, you know, that cheap Florida line plus, uh, you know, Toronto one. And then, you know, defensemen and goalies that fit in with that. Like um, that will be a pretty chalky build. It, it will be chalky in any contest, but at least in a mass multi-entry, um, you can do a lot of different things. Like you can leave, uh, like if you want to leave Lundell off the stack, for for example, and put somebody else there. Um, maybe you just want to go with the two wingers. Maybe you want to just put um, Duclair because he's super cheap and then go with the Montour Ekblad double, def- double power play defenseman or something like that. Like there are a lot of different ways you can use those players and, and, and have a very unique lineup. Whereas in a single entry, it's, that's not something you do as much because it is a, a much smaller, uh, hold to thread with your needle um than it would be if um if you were playing just a three three so i think it, w- it would be kind of the other way and it's and I, something i want to mention too is just game stacking this game like there are only six games on the slate here tonight this game has a seven over under there's not really much ownership on the buffalo side here like the top line is one of the better leverage spots of the night. And I think that kind of makes sense when you consider, you know, you have Toronto, you have Colorado, you have these, this soup, the super, the Florida guys that are going to be 20%. You have Winnipeg lines that aren't going to be high owned, but are in that price range and you can't use with them. Right. But even the Buffalo depth isn't getting much ownership. Um, you know, uh, Oposo might not be in tonight. That'd be something I would watch for a warm up. He took an elbow to the head last night, I think. Yeah. So he might not be in, but like Victor Olofsson got moved to the top line or top power play unit. He's playing with JJ Paterka and Dylan Cousins. I might not play to Paterka, but even Cousins not having the power play time, it sucks because Florida is a good power play spot for Buffalo, but he's still a really good five on five player. So like you could do like a Cousins Olofsson two man and play them with the Florida guys and go ahead and game stack. So I think there's some cheap Buffalo guys I'd want to play. One-off Olsen certainly makes sense. I think one-off Cousins certainly makes sense. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Casey Middlestat as a one-off certainly makes sense. Like the Middlestat 
Ogposo, Jost, Gergensens, those guys are technically the second line if you look at ice time. So if you want to one-off those guys, I think there's cheap guys here. So you can game stack this game. I think there are a lot of different ways um, to use the players from this game that the ownership on the Lundell line doesn't concern me a ton, but where that other line isn't super expensive and is way more likely um, to be a top two stack, it is the Verhage line I like best. Yeah, and that when I went through fantasy crunch, I did not get a lot of sabers in that that crunch. You're gonna have to to force them in if you're going through in in that way. Uh, what is uh you know what strategy of the, the game stack? Because you know NHL technically, if one team shooting the other team isn't what would bring it to other than just seeing the over under is high that you're gonna say, hey, this is one where we're gonna get on both sides of it. Is it slate dependent? It is slate dependent. Like I, you can game stack any slate. Like there are a lot of different strategies that are viable on any given night. I'm just talking generally speaking for myself. I mm-hmm. like last night, I probably wouldn't have game stacked anything because there are 10 games at that point. You're really banking on a seven, five game or a seven, six game or something like that. And that's the only way you'll probably get through. Like with only six games on the slate tonight, even like a five, three game here could see, two lines be the optimal lines from opposite sides, right? Like you can do that. And because Buffalo is so reasonably priced, they don't need a ton of points um, to be a good value. So it is slate dependent for me. I usually don't do it double digit games. Once I get up to like nine, like I said, about that nine game mark, that's when I I start to get away from it, but it does a couple of things. It is a unique build because not Mm -hmm. the vast majority of stacks will not be a game stack. And of the game stacks, yes, this will probably be one of them. But there are so many ways to get unique. Like I said, um, with Duclair 2500, you can do him and then the double power play defenseman if you want. Um, You know, you can power play stack Buffalo and use some Florida depth if you want. There are just a lot of different ways to make unique lineups. And in a game where you have a seven over under, I think it makes sense when there are only six games on the slate. I know uh, I'm asking some big picture and kind of basic questions here for those of you who, who watch the show all the time. Maybe it's a little repetitive, but uh, I'm kind of new and filling in. Uh, it's part of it. And then it's also, hey, we're coming off the NBA All-Star break. And I think we do have uh, a lot of new faces trying to determine the, the, the strategy here. I know just looking at the sh- uh, the um, the chat, uh, Cosmos mentioned, hey, I had some luck playing NHL during the NBA All-Star break and trying to get a, a hold of some of these strategies that we can look at. So let's uh, start breaking down some other games. We'll look at Minnesota, Toronto, uh, the Maple Leafs. How about Ryan O'Reilly? I mean, he broke the slate the other day with that hat trick on Tuesday night. Five points in three games. While the St. Louis Blues are in disarray right now with everything happening, he is fitting in very well there in Toronto. Yes, he is. And his first game... Uh, was Saturday and Josh and I did a show that day and what I talked about on that show was Ryan O'Reilly had struggled defensively this year in St. Louis but you were basically looking at a half season sample for a player that had been elite defensively for years and I don't I didn't want to put too much stock in the in a half seasons of defensive metrics for a guy that had been so great for so long in that regard what I the other thing we said is that his offensive metrics were great, like elite great. Um, he was really, really helping drive scoring chances for St. Louis. It's just St. Louis had a tough time finishing. And I think part of it back when he was with the Blues was the players he was playing with. He didn't get a ton of time with like Pavel Buchnevich 
or Jordan Cairo or whatever. He was playing with Brandon Saad, Josh Levo, Braden Shen, uh, like these kinds, like Scott Walker, like these Nathan Walker, sorry, these kinds of players. Um, I don't even know if Nathan Walker was there. It might be last year, but anyways, and then, you know, their defensemen weren't, were taking a lot of shots and not scoring either. So he was creating a lot. His teammates weren't finishing. And if you look at his assist numbers in St. Louis, that it bears that out, but they were still generating a lot. And I think you're seeing that coming to Toronto in a pretty small sample, like their expected goals numbers in a small sample are through the roof. And that's something you would expect from a Ryan O'Reilly line, because um, I think this is something we talked about in our discord a few weeks ago, like the St. Louis blues and to a lesser extent, the Vegas golden Knights were kind of the test cases for focusing your entire team on shot quality rather than shot quantity. And if you look at the St. Louis blues, like the last five seasons, maybe not including this one, it bears that out. They were generating a ton of shots, but they were generating a lot of goals. And that a big part of that was Ryan O'Reilly. Um, great defensively, but he was underrated offensively. And I think he's bringing that to Toronto. And it is such an immense help for that second line because the one thing Josh and I talk about a lot on the show was all the offensive struggles Tavares and Marner were having playing together Um you know, with basically any number of wingers that they have tried there this season. Um, you know, Tavares and Marner have played with uh, like Alex Kerfoot, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Nick Robertson. Remember that guy? He started the season there. Um, I think they've tried Pierre Engvall and, and David Camp. Callie Yarncroft certainly spent some time there. But those are just a lot of pretty good defensive players. And it bears out in the offense, right? Like only 2.8 expected goals for Marner and Tavares this season. It's a little bit above league average. It's really not that good for that line. I think Ron O'Reilly will help tremendously. And in a small sample so far, he really has. The question is what to do with Toronto here tonight, because in that game against Montreal, they used O'Reilly, Tavares and Marner as a shutdown line. And tonight, that would mean going into the top line of Zuccarello, Hartman, and Kaprizov. That line has been elite defensively, basically since they got put together last season. I was just looking at their time in calendar 2023. So since the start of January, 1.8 expected goals against per 60 minutes. To put that into context, I think that's about 30% better than the league average. And about the same in actual goals against. The goaltending has held up. Their defense has been great. I think it's just a really, really tough matchup for that line. And the same thing kind of goes for the Matthews line. Uh, By that token, the Matthews line will probably be going out against that um, Boldy-Erickson-Eck line. And Boldy and Erickson-Eck have also typically been pretty good defensively. Now, they've struggled to generate offensively with Marcus Foligno there. Because Marcus Foligno, I think we... uh, we talked about it, or I talked about it on yesterday's show. He doesn't look like he has a lot of confidence with the puck. And it's not just me saying that. If you look at some of his stats, when he gets into the offensive zone, he's not passing to other forwards. He gets into the offensive zone and kicks it out to the defenseman right away because he doesn't want to turn it over and he doesn't want to throw in the middle of the ice. And But that's the way the NHL is played now. And it's just generating a lot of low quality shots. So, you know, Erickson Eck and Boldy might not be good offensively, but it's a pretty tough matchup for Matthews and company as well. By the same token, they're not coming in with a ton of ownership. Like that Matthews-Nylander line 
11 to 12%, which I think is pretty reasonable for this matchup. I'm just wondering if I want to play them and not go play that Florida line that will be higher owned, but also has a higher top two stack probability. And I think you can do different things with the defenseman to kind of, you know, negate that ownership because with Toronto, if you're playing the top line, you're probably playing Morgan Riley or nobody else with them. There's not really much, another defenseman worth playing. And you're probably not playing Riley because he's starting to get a little bit expensive and that makes the stack even that much more expensive. So, like, I would probably just rather go play Florida. Uh, Toronto 1 is for is is firmly in play. I would never begrudge somebody playing them. I'm just looking at other lines at similar prices across the slate and what, what I would probably play tonight. I'm going to be honest, I, I don't have a ton of interest in Toronto tonight, and that feels scary because Minnesota is back-to-back on the road, and we have seen Toronto just blow teams out of the water over the last few weeks. But it is a really tough matchup for Toronto. Minnesota has a pretty good power, uh, pretty good penalty kill. Um, they're about league average by time shorthanded. So not a ton of interest in Toronto, and honestly, not a ton of interest in Minnesota either. If anything, for the... Uh, Minnesota Wild, it would be the top line. They are generating a lot of shot attempts, I think over 70 per 60 minutes, which is really high pace. But I think adding Ryan O'Reilly there is going to make what was a good defensive line even tougher defensively. Samsonov has been playing reasonably well. The Toronto penalty kill is good. I just don't think there's a lot. I'm personally super excited to stack in this game. But if I were to do anything, it'd be the top lines that I would focus on. See, I stack a fade, fade stack. Just, just don't stack. Either side, Minnesota, Toronto, uh, perhaps tonight as, uh, as we're looking at it. Yeah. You look at Minnesota, the implied goals just 2.4 tonight, which is uh, the lowest that I saw on the board, but I didn't get the implied goal total for the upcoming game. Uh, Montreal, Philadelphia. Uh, look, Travis Konechny is going to be out with an upper body injury for Philadelphia. They're going with 11 forwards, seven defensemen again. Uh, so what we're looking at on the Philadelphia side of this is torts that I think is uh, about ready to explode too. I, yeah, Torts is about ready to explode, and so am I. I'm getting really, really sick of these Philadelphia Flyers. So, last game, um, I don't think anybody will be surprised to hear this. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers just kind of nuked their lines. Um, yeah. That's something that they've been doing quite a bit. And they did it. It was a late game, too. So, yeah, yeah, it's always exactly. fun. And then Edmonton changed their lines the same night, too. That was a mess. Yeah. Had a hard time uh-huh. with that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they started with um, Van Riemsdyk, Frost, Tippett. Now, they did uh, play a lot of the game together, but, um, you know, Van Riemsdyk and Frost did see, I think it was some minutes with Wade Allison. Um, you know, that Hayes, Faraby, uh, Ollie Lixell line stayed together. But Faraby, I think the game before that was benched. Tortorella in the media today was ripping Faraby's agent. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't imagine Faraby uh, is super, ex- is, you know, right at the top of, of Tortorella's list for ice time here tonight. And with Philly basically, you know, messing with their lines almost every game, going back like 20 games now, and going with 11 forwards, they're just going to be a mess of a line combination um, extravaganza here tonight. Um, for people that might be new, 11-7 just means going 11 forwards and seven defensemen. You'll see some teams do that. If they have a forward injured and they can't call somebody off, they'll just dress an extra defenseman and, and you know, rotate their centers or something like that. Um, but it does mess up line combinations. That's the that's what we should be taking out of this. 
So I don't know what you can rely on. I think there, I think, you know, that frost tip at Van Riemsdyk. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. You know, Tippett and Van Reems, like are, are have typically been playing a lot together. I think that's a line you can sort of rely on. At least Tippett and Frost were on the top power play unit together. That's something. So even if they get broken up at even strength, they'll probably be together on the power play. So at least there's still some correlation. And Frost and Tippett and, and, and Van Reemsdyke have been scoring like over the last like roughly 100 minutes together, 4.2 goals per 60 minutes. Now they're riding hot by shooting percentages. It's not like it's a really tough matchup though with Montreal in town tonight. Um, but they aren't, they, they are riding a hot shooting percentage, which is worrisome. And it's the opposite of the other line. Kate's Lawton, um, that Kate's Lawton duo, Wade Allison is the third wheel. He, I think he only played like 13 minutes last game. So that, you know, Kate, Kate's and Lawton would be one of the pairs that I would rely on. Cates and Lawton this year, with they played a lot with Travis Konechny. Without him, 2.1 expected goals for, 1.6 actual goals for. They're not generating or scoring a lot. So Philly's top two lines really aren't generating a lot of offense. Now, it is the Montreal Canadiens. Yes, I'm a Canadiens fan. I still realize how bad this team is defensively. If you look at like their penalty kill numbers, they're still very bad. Um, if you look at the team's five-on-five numbers, you know, certainly still very bad. Like we're talking in that Chicago Columbus range over the last six weeks. So still a pretty bad team defensively, but this is a bad offensive Flyers team too. And the problem with the Flyers tonight is a ton of ownership. Like that frost tip at Van Riemsdyk line, I'll bring up our top stacks tool real quick. Um, I think they're the most, yeah, they're the most over leveraged line on the entire slate. And then three of the top five most over leveraged lines are all Flyers lines here tonight. It's because Montreal is in town. It's because the Flyers are so cheap. If you want to do like a Tippett Van Riemsdyk two man or a Tippett Frost two man, fine. If you want to do like a Kate Slotten two man, fine. I'm not super excited about stacking the Flyers here tonight just because of all that ownership. And kind of because they're not really generating a lot with these line combinations. And you're going to see a lot of messed up lines. So I think if if I get to Flyers here tonight, it's more like one-offing some guys, one-off Tippett, one-off Kevin Hayes, one-off Van Riemsdyk, something like that. On the Montreal side, that top line's actually playing pretty well. Um, <laughs> Raphael, Harvey, Pinard, Suzuki, and Anderson. They're up over 75 minutes together now. 4.3 expected goals for per 60 minutes. It's about 60% better than the league average. I would expect that to come down. But Suzuki's 
put up Suzuki and Anderson have put up good numbers, even without Cole Caulfield there, at least good offensive numbers, certainly not good defensive ones, um, but good offensive numbers. Like Josh Anderson, I think he's at like uh, 3.3 shots per game over his last 12 games since Caulfield got hurt. He's been picking up a lot of the shooting slack. I think Harvey Pinard is getting wildly overpriced because because he's still not shooting a lot. But I think like a Suzuki or Anderson two man or something like that makes sense. Like the Flyers aren't a great defensive team, and the Flyers' one strength is the penalty kill. Montreal's biggest offensive weakness is the power play. Like you never play Montreal because of their power play. So like because the Flyers have a good penalty kill, it doesn't matter to me. Um, so you know, like I think Suzuki and Anderson as a two man make a lot of sense. The rest of the Habs. I'm a lot less excited about Hoffman and Druent have just been getting absolutely rolled over in their minutes together. 36% of the shot attempt share when they're on the ice, like 42% would be bad for the Chicago Blackhawks. 36% is like, do you belong in the NHL? Um, so nothing from that Druent line, you know, if you want two man Dvorak to Don off, like go ahead. But for me, it's about the Montreal top line, specifically Suzuki and Anderson, if I'm playing that side. Well, how about the Flyers? Uh, we'll talk about it from a, a props perspective. If you want to play over at No House Advantage, where you could put, uh, say, five together and hit 21 times your entry fee. I saw Jake Harry threw one up uh, today with uh, Tippett and Van Riemsdyk, uh, throwing them together with uh, to get points tonight. And the idea being that, being that they're going with 11 forwards, they saw some time together last game, maybe you get a goal and assist, and bada-bing, bada-boom, you're hitting there. How do you like that one? Yeah, I, I I do like the Tippett one, and I was looking at – we actually have a shot. I'll bring up the shot and prop tool real quick that we have here at Osmo. If you have a stochastic NHL membership – I said Osmo. I, man, I think that's the first, <laughs> that's the first the time jar. this season I, I said Osmo by mistake, but stochastic. If you have a stochastic NHL membership, the NHL uh, – we have a player prop shot and goal tool. Um, Tippett is one of the guys with an expected positive ROI. So he would definitely be one of the guys I would use uh, for over or for under on his shots here tonight, actually. Um, I kind of like it, but Jake, Jake's one of those guys. He bets shot props like every day. It's not something I pay super close attention to because I'm just mainly a DFS guy. But yeah. I, I will say if you're going to get into it, head on over to Jake Harry's Twitter account. He's posting every day and he's using the sh- a lot of the shot and prop tools that we have here. And they are pretty sure. Yeah, they uh, I have come to really enjoy. Uh, let me make sure I know exactly what it's called. The Pick'em Pro tool, which helps for uh, if you're playing on prize picks or No House Advantage. Uh, and No House Advantage, if it's a site you haven't used before, take advantage of it. Uh, you could get a $100 deposit match. Sign up. And uh, you could use the link below to do that. And you could play the props. You could also play um, versus other people in the Pick'em contests. Uh, they don't have it for NHL, at least as of now. But if you're into the NBA, they've got some uh, big pots as far as NBA goes. But the big thing, that $100 free deposit ma- match. And uh, you can check out our tools for Know House Advantage to help with all those shot props, point props, assist props. You can link them together. You know, Jake gets a goal from that line. Boom, he's hitting three times his money. So it doesn't have to necessarily be be likely to happen. Just over 33%. You're doing good in the long run. Uh, let's get to Ottawa, Carolina. Carolina's been hot. They've won four in a row. And as you mentioned earlier, you see some value here. Yeah, there are a lot of cheap Carolina plays that, that we can use. But I do want to just start on the Ottawa side quickly because – 
Ottawa is not going to carry much ownership here tonight. And I think, you know, obviously for pretty good reason, like you can make an argument that Carolina is the the best defensive team in the league, both at five on five and on the penalty kill. Um, if they're not, they're like one of the three best, like they'd be up there with Boston or Calgary or whatever. I know people might scoff at Calgary. Calgary is good defensively. It's their goaltenders that are good. And so that there's a little bit of a difference there, but they are really, they are great defensively. Their goaltending really hasn't been that great. Look, Kochekov earlier in the season, he was like liked out for them for a couple weeks and it looked like he was the goaltender of the future. Not so much with the other guys. Like, yes, Craig An- or Craig Anderson, Frederick Anderson has had some good games recently. His last three games, two of them against Washington, who I think have the lowest shooting percentage in the league at five on five since Christmas. And the other one against St. Louis, who just fire sailed two thirds of their top line and are a non-playoff team anyway. So like, I wouldn't draw a whole lot into that. Like Freddie Anderson has given up um, at least four goals in 20% of his uh, starts this season. And that's with the best defensive team in the league in front of him. He's not really playing that well. Um, And Ottawa's not coming in with that much ownership. The top line under 2%, the second line um, about 1% to 1.5%. Like no ownership here tonight, almost regardless of the contest you're in. And that Ottawa top line has been generating quite a bit. Like going back a couple months, 3.1 expected goals for 4.5 actual goals for Tim Stutzla. 20 shots and 10 points in his last five games. He's been absolutely unreal for Ottawa of late. I, I I get the hesitation to get to Kachuk, Stutzla, and Giroux, um, given that, you know, they're basically the same price as the Florida line we talked about and the Toronto top line and all that. So, it, you know, if you don't want to play them in a single entry or, or whatever, I get that. But if you have like 20 lineups or if you're playing 50 lineups in the dime time or, or, or you know, you have 50 lineups in the $1 uh, or the – what is it? The fifty dollar or the fifty cent um, mini max or whatever it is. I think it would behoove you to have um, you know maybe like five percent Ottawa one here tonight because Anderson has not played well. As I said, like you know he's given up five goals to the New York Islanders. He gave up four goals to the Los Angeles Kings. Like this, you know, not it's not like Ottawa is that much worse offensively than those teams. Um. I think if I'm playing a bunch of lineups, I would have want to have some of that. Other than that, that's it for me from Ottawa. That would be kind of my case. I think in any format, there are one offable players. You can one off, you know, Batherson or, or Kachuk if you want. I'm just talking about stacking. I think if you're playing a lot of lineups, you should really consider Ottawa's top line here. On the Carolina side, yeah, there is a lot of value because like even the top line is only 17,200. Like the second line's under 14K, the third line's under 10K. Like there are, there is a lot of value here, particularly in the second and third lines. Of course, there is a lot of ownership as well, right? Like that second line coming in over a little over on the third line coming in a little over on. What I want to mention is that in the last couple of games, Carolina changed their line matching. They had typically used Jordan Stahl's line as a shutdown line. Of their last couple of games, they used Sebastian Ajo. Now, Ajo and Jarvis and Svechnikov have been otherworldly offensively, basically going back to last season. Going back to last season, 4.2 expected goals for, 5.2 actual goals for for 60 minutes in over 200 minutes together. 
they're just stomping the competition. They are giving up quite a bit, though. 2.7 expected goals against is worse than league average. 2.9 actual goals against is a fair bit worse than league average. They're trading chances, and that's kind of why I don't mind Ottawa 1 here tonight. By the same token, Carolina 1 is good. It's been playing so well offensively. They're definitely in play. Um, Coming in at 15%, I think that's fine for this matchup. The question is what to do with the depth. Um, the second line has also been playing better offensively, but Alex DeBrincat, 25 shots in his last 10 games. Yes, Barry Kokaniemi doesn't shoot a lot. Tuvo Teravine is not really shooting a lot. Um, I think that line is fine to play because there's not going to be a ton of ownership on here to, on them here tonight. But I think just how well Carolina top Carolina's top line has been playing, kind you know, just how much they've just been generating pushes me to them. But I do think there is some, there should be some interest on that Carolina second line because yes, a little bit over owned, but not much. And I think you can do some fun things with the stacking. Like, you know, you can take out Kakanyemi and put in, you know, Sebastian Ajo if you want, because then you get some guys on the top power play units, then it turns into a power play stack. And Ottawa does take a lot of penalties. So there are ways you can stack that Carolina second line and, and not that be that worried about it being super chalky. So what's uh, of all the lines we've talked about so far today? Maybe maybe we can crunch a line or build a lineup here with yeah. the, uh, the lineup builder. What what are you what are you feeling good about? Because I thought I thought you were going to be higher on Carolina based on what you were saying earlier, but a little concerned about the ownership here. So I'm trying to. I know that Florida one you're not uh, not too big on. I mean, where do we want to start start a stack with? Unless uh, you got one coming up with yeah, the, the I, Kings I, Islanders I, Avalanche Jets that we haven't gotten to yet. Well, I think we should start with that Carolina line because yeah. I, I don't want to try to poo-poo them too much. Like I said, I really, really think they are an elite offensive line. Um, it was just the ownership. But, you know, where I think it's 17200 for the stack, it allows you to do a lot more with the rest of your lineup than if you play a 20K stack. Then, yes, you have to go find like a $13,000, $12,000 secondary. With a $17,000 line, you can – you know, you can upgrade a defenseman. You might be able to upgrade an entire line, that kind of stuff. So I think starting with Carolina one would be the way to go. Um, I don't know if there's a goalie that we've gone through so far that I would be super excited about playing. Um, maybe Jake Allen. Um, I'm going to put Jake Allen and Jonathan Kovacevic in right now real quick because Allen's cheap. Kovacevic's min price will probably play like 19, 20 minutes. And it gives us a good gauge of what we could do. Like we could legitimately add Toronto one to this stack if we wanted. So it, it, it opens up a lot of options and we have some big boys coming up. So I'll leave it. Yeah. I'll leave the rest of it empty for right now. But I think Carolina one, Allen and Kovacevic will allow you to do a lot of pretty cool things with the rest of your lineup. I mean, I'll just say, yeah, I mentioned earlier, I crunched some some lineups using Fantasy Cruncher in our, our projections, and I got a ton of Florida one. I didn't get it at like a crazy amount of Carolina one, so maybe the the ownership won't come in too crazy high on uh, on that group. Just uh, one of those little indicators. But uh, all right, let's get to the next game: Islanders Kings. Uh, we still got Matt Martin on the top line, and he's actually been productive of late. Five points in his last six games. I don't really know where that's coming from. If only he gets. Uh, some fantasy points for fights and things like that. But uh, what do we make of what the Islanders are, are cooking with here as they continue to figure things out without Matthew Barzell? Yeah, it, I, we're, I don't want to say we, we were making fun of him, but we were kind of befuddled at Matt Martin being on the top line because 
For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. At least with Casey Sezekis, like there are some skills you can kind of look at and point to and say, this is something that can, you know, help this top line generate some offense or something like that. Um, like Sezekis, uh, you know, above average shot rate, above average uh, shot assist rate, which means passes leading to teammate shots. Um, about average by controlled zone entry. So there are things that Sezekis does that can help. Matt Martin does none of those things. <laughs> like, like I don't, I don't want to slag the guy. He's in the NHL. He's had a real nice career. He doesn't. He's well below average by shooting. He's well below average by playmaking. He's well below average by transition. Like, he just stand good. in front of the net and hope it hits you. You know, right? He's good at getting in on the forecheck and maybe disrupting the defenseman that that that's retrieving the puck, sure. and then going to the front of the net and hoping somebody banks one off of him or he redirects something. Like that's basically all he can do. Which, like, you know, for his price, like, you can get away with it in DFS for sure. But, you know, this isn't the 2011 NHL anymore. This is 2023. Like, you have to be able to do more than just hit guys if you want to skate on a top line. Like, you can't be – like, even Milan Lucic 10 years ago was a guy that didn't mind shooting on a per-minute basis um, and didn't didn't mind carrying the puck either. Um, Martin doesn't really do that, like – and Horvat and Lee, like they do have good offensive numbers together. A lot of those minutes are with Barzal, though. And obviously Martin is not a replacement for Barzal. And the way the Islanders have been running their lines at times, you could see Horvat and Lee go out against the second line, which would be that uh, Phil Deneau, um Victor Arvidsson line, which has typically been really good defensively this year. I don't mind the Islanders' top line. I, I I don't think I would play Matt Martin with them. Like I think I would take out and put in Brock Nelson or Kyle Palmieri or something like that. Cause um, the Kings' penalty kill has been really good lately, but it was something they struggled with through the first like 40 games of the season. Uh, and they do take a lot of penalties, 3.4 times shorthanded per game. That's like 10% more than the league average. So the Islanders could get there on the power play. So if you want to add a Palmieri or Nelson and take off Matt Martin, I think that's perfectly fine. I just worry about how Martin's going to disrupt that offense because like you know lee's not really a great playmaker matt martin's not a playmaker and you need somebody to get the puck to horvat in a good spot right it it, it just kind of worries me i think it's i know they're coming in a lot higher own but it's the nelson parise palmieri line i would like and even in that instance like you can take off parise and put on lee or take off parise and put on Bo horvat like you can turn this into a power play stack really easily and it really negates all the concerns that you have about chalky ownership um and parise and palmieri have played a lot together this year because they were down on the third line uh 3.2 expected goals for 2.9 actual goals for that's pretty good offensive numbers uh you know brock nelson has 36 shots over his last 10 games i think it was um 13 points in that span i kind of like the even though there's more ownership i like the nelson parise palmieri line more i think i'm might leave Parise off and turn into a up to individual DFS players. On the Kings side, it's the Kings second line. 
I, 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 it, there's a big concern facing Ilya Sorokin. That there is a concern facing Sorokin, no matter what. He is an elite goaltender. He will be in the running for the Vesna Trophy at the end of the season, unless he just completely falls on his face. But again, he's pretty good, even when he does fall on his face. Yeah, that's that too. stick out, and he had a you know, another one of those big saves last week. Right, but again, this is a goalie that has given up at least four goals in over 25% of his starts this season. And I think people kind of have to keep that in mind, that you can be a Vesna caliber goalie and still not play well in a quarter of your starts. It's just That's just the nature of the position. Um, so I don't mind that King's second line with Kevin Fiala there. Fiala, Dano, and Arvidsson. Dano and Arvidsson have played extremely well together over the last two years. Um, whenever Arvidsson's been healthy and almost regardless of the winger, like whether it's been Kaliev, whether it's been Trevor Moore or whether it's been Gabriel Velarde or now, or Adrian Kempe or now with Fiala, they played well regardless and there's not much ownership coming in on them. Um, I got a ton of them on fantasy cruncher. That was yeah, the second most popular line. They're, they're only coming in at 5% ownership and uh, the lineup builder has their stack projection at 31.6 points. To put that into perspective, that's more than any line on the Islanders. It's more than any line on the Jets. Um, it's more than any line on Ottawa. It's more than any line in the Montreal-Philly game. There's a lot of points projected for that line. I don't. I, I think I kind of like Denofiel Arvidsson, even though it yeah, is. Yeah, let's get him in. Even though it is a back-to-back on the road, so you want to put them in our uh, in our lineup here tonight? Yeah, let's load them in, baby. All right, let's see what that looks. Go like. against my Islanders, you know. So uh, win either way. Uh, yeah, it leaves us enough room for an expensive defenseman, and we'll talk about defensemen right at the end of the show. So we'll add our final defenseman and finish the lineup when we get there. Cool. Yeah, well, we won't have uh, Kale McCarr. He's going to be out again tonight for Colorado, still in concussion protocol. Uh, but we got Avalanche Jets, uh, the final game. We break it down tonight. Nobody's got to stay up late tonight. It starts up at 8 o'clock Eastern time, so we'll be all wrapped up by 11 o'clock Eastern. You can start your Saturday morning nice and early after a little sweat, hopefully. But uh, what are we making out on this uh, this Jets-Avalanche game as the, the Jets get off the road after their East Coast swing? Yeah, obviously, Kale McCarr being out is a pretty big deal here because even though he's not really having, like, technically as good of a season as he had last season he's still you know playing as a top five defenseman in the league like that's just how good he was last year it was just kind of an impossible standard to live up to and if you look at Colorado's power play over the last three seasons without McCarr shot attempts with or sorry with McCarr shot attempts go up 12 percent goals go up by more than 25 percent as opposed to when he's not and I'm not talking about you know, the second power play unit and what it's like. I'm talking about with guys like McKinnon and Rantanen on the ice, what does the power play look like if McCarr is not there? The fact is, is that they generate a lot less, uh, a lot fewer shots and a lot fewer goals. And I, you know, Kel Surprise, right? Without the best offensive defenseman in hockey, the power play is not quite as good. Um, and that's notable because uh, one, Colorado, I, they don't live and die on the power play kind of like, uh, you know, certainly uh, guys like Connor McDavid or, or, or maybe even JT Miller in Vancouver do, but they still do get a lot of their production from the power play. Like I think over a third of Miko Rantanen's points this year have come with the man advantage. It's not, it's a pretty significant portion of the profile. And 
you know, the power play should be worse without McCarr. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets are well below average by time shorthanded this season. They don't take many penalties. And they've had one of the best penalty kills in the league all season. And it's not just Hellebuck. It's by shots allowed and shot attempts allowed, expected goals against, all that stuff. The Jets aren't giving up a lot. And then on top of that, they have Connor Hellebuck, who is also one of the top three goalies in the league this season. So it's a really bad power play spot for Colorado. Um so as much as I want to get excited about low-owned Avalanche, and there isn't much ownership um, on the abs, um, you know, the top line coming in around 12%, it's one of the better leverage spots on the lawn, or on the night. Um, but it's a really, really bad power play matchup. And if they don't get there on the power play, do they score enough to pay off, a, you know, almost a $20,000 price tag at five on five? I think it's a lot to ask against playing against Connor Hellebuck. They can do it, and it's another one of those spots where if I'm playing 20 lineups or something like that, yes, I'll probably have some Colorado. I just don't think I get there in single entry, especially where the top line's not cor- perfectly correlated on the power play anymore. So even if they do get there, Arturi Lekkonen's not on the power play, right? It's JT, Com- JT Comfort took a spot. So even Colorado, too, has two guys on the second power play unit now. So I might even be more tempted just to play them, save a few thousand bucks, uh, and look elsewhere. Question is what to do on the Winnipeg side because they did change up their lines a little bit last game. But with Cole Perfitti being announced out for the rest of the regular season, they basically don't have enough bodies to change up too much with the top six. It's like whatever's in the top six is basically what they're stuck with unless they go and trade for someone. Um, And I was surprised to look at this, but the Winnipeg top line, and I'm talking about Connor Shifley and Appleton, they've been pretty good with Mason Appleton there. 3.1 3.1 expected goals for per 60 minutes of five on five. Uh, that's about 20% above the league average, which really shocked me for a line with Mason Appleton on it. Uh, there is some shooting percentage problems, um, only shooting seven and a half percent when they're on the ice. I think, you know, that's one of those things that will eventually write itself with Ehlers and Shifley there. Um, you know, Kyle Connors still shooting quite a bit. He's at like three and a half shots per game over his last 10 games. There's not much ownership here. They're coming in with positive leverage. Colorado's, you know, they're still, like you said, missing Kale McCarr, who's not just a loss offensively, but a loss defensively as well. And Eric Johnson's also out. Like, you know, they still do have Gerard and, and Byram and, and Devin Tace, but they are missing their best defenseman and another one of their top five defensemen. It's not nothing. Um, so I do like um, that, or that Connor Shifley-Appleton line. If you want to go to Ehlers, Dubois, and Wheeler, I think, you know, they are coming in with even better leverage. Um, My problem here is twofold. One, Blake Wheeler is basically just kind of a passer at this point out of his career. Like he's not a guy that typically shot a lot anyway. Um, But if you look at some of his playmaking metrics, he's just not shooting the puck at all. Like at least last season, he was at 2.6 shots per game. The year before 2.3, this year it's 1.8. It's kind of tough to get there. And with Nikolai Ehlers, like he's been anywhere between like 13 minutes and 19 minutes over the last 10 games. Like it's just really up and down ice time that's hard to rely on. So I do like that Connor Shifley Appleton line just in general. And then if you want to throw in a little bit of uncertainty with the, the other line with either play or ice time or whatever, makes it pretty easy. So Winnipeg one is, I think, is the line that I like the best in this, in this game pretty easily. So uh, let's go back to our lineup here. So we have one defenseman to add, and I believe still a, still a goalie to to pop in. 
Well, we have Jake Allen. We could okay, take you him out put if, Allen in. That's right. if we want, but right. um, yeah, we we just have like we have an expensive defenseman spot to fill. So you know, do so you Josh, like Winnipeg and Morrissey or? Uh, I it's just you know one off Morrissey. Like you would think that if he gets there, then it would be because Shifley or Ehlers or Connor somebody else comes along with them. That's kind of my only problem playing him. Okay. Um. You know, I, I think the, the Florida guys make a lot of sense. One of Montour or Ekblad, certainly. That's kind of where I want to go. I, my lineup that I made personally this morning, I had Brandon Montour because he he was coming in with lower ownership. So I'm going to bring up our line. I put Brandon Montour in. Um, we could probably change the defenseman because we do have a lot left over. Um we could even change the goalie if we wanted, but um, I don't mind that lineup actually. Um, so there it is. Carolina one, Los Angeles two projected for 93 points. We got Jonathan Kovacevic and Jake Allen uh, defenseman goalie stack from Montreal with Brandon Montour as the one-off. I actually don't mind that lineup. Uh, I might change out Kovacevic at some point, but I, I, I don't like that. I don't mind that as, that's another thing I'll just mention real quick. I, I don't mind me leaving money on the table. Uh, on, a, on a short slate, certainly. On bigger slates, you don't want to leave like $1,400 or whatever. Um, but $900 on a six-game slate, I don't mind leaving that salary on the table. So uh, so I'll take Sebastian Ajo for the hat trick. You know, I'll just that's a winner. Right then and there. Bada bing, bada boom. Let's cash. And uh, you, do you have a hat trick tonight you like? What do you like? Yeah, at? I'm gonna I'm gonna go to our Florida boys and I'm gonna shout out our our boss Jake Hurry for this because he was extolling his virtues in the Discord earlier today. But I'm going from to Florida and I'm going with Carter Verhage. All right, we took uh Allen as the goalie. I mean goalies, but uh is there anything you like tonight if we start breaking down that position a bit? Yeah, I, I think the two goalies that stick out the most to me are, are Hellebuck um, and Sorokin. Um, Hellebuck, anytime he's under $8,000 at home on DraftKings, I'm pretty tempted to play him. He's just, I if he's not the best goalie in the world, he's number two, I think, behind Igor Shesterkin. And he's been so consistent for so many years. And Colorado has had trouble scoring at times. If you look at their shooting percentages through the season, typically not very good. Guys like Evan Rodriguez and Nathan McKinnon, Putting up a lot of volume, but not necessarily a lot of goals. Though McKinnon has been on a little bit of a tear lately. So Sorokin and Hellebuck, if you want to go really cheap, I think Cam Talbot makes sense from Ottawa. Carolina takes a ton of shots. Talbot's having a good season. Not a great season, but at least like around average, if not a little bit above. Carolina, I think they're still the most shot-happy team in the league since Christmas. So um, even if Talbot gives up like three goals here tonight, he could still have a pretty good night for $6,900. Get that 35 save bonus and uh, and collect, and you could be in a good spot with that. So uh, there you go, breaking down this six-game slate on this NHL Friday. Again, you don't have to stay up late. So all the games will be uh, started up by 8 o'clock Eastern, so you don't have to be late swapping until 1030 at night or anything like that. So we, uh, we like all of that, but uh, – Cliffy, pleasure, and a nice filling in again for, for Josh, and hopefully Josh is is back next week and uh, getting things done. But, uh, hey, uh, remember, we got a lot coming up here still. It's Stochastic TFS channel, No House Advantage, Friday Night NBA. Starts up at 30 minutes with Lafayette and Eric, and then the NBA Deeper Dive at 5 Eastern time. Let's get it, Cliffy, and uh, thanks to all you guys in the chat for staying involved throughout the show. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, thanks a lot, Pete, for filling in for Josh. Um, wonderful job. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, 
yes, we will be gone until next week. Uh, until then, all I'll say is I can't imagine not playing Gustav Forsling tonight. <laughs> Good luck, everyone. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.